The next morning, my mum and dad had a shower. Then I followed suit. It was probably a week since my last. And together we walked up the hill to the bus stop. On arrival at St James Road in the Supreme Court in Sydney, all three of us were puffing on cigarettes. I immediately was taken into custody. The rest of that day, my defence and the prosecution picked the jury while Brian and I sat in the dock. It was bloody uncomfortable too, sitting on that hard old timber seat all day. The only breaks we had were for morning tea and lunch, and we were taken down into the holding cells and fed. How boring it all was. At five o'clock, I was taken to the Albion Street Boys' Shelter at Surrey Hills because this holding centre was for kids 16 years and over. It suited me just fine because I could smoke cigarettes there where I couldn't smoke at Yasmar, where they held the younger kids. So I wasn't challenged by any officers as I puffed away on the fags my old man had bought in. They'd give the kids tobacco if they didn't have anyone to bring them tailor-maids in. Champion Ruby, it was called. Through there was nothing champion about that stuff. It smelt worse than smouldering cardboard and burnt like a wet log. Albion Street was smaller than Yasma. It had no grass and no flowers, as if even they were too scared to show their face in this environment. Albion Street had dorms through and an activity room like Yasma. I was the shortest and the youngest kid in the place, but that didn't faze me as most of my mates were a good couple of years older than me, so I was used to it. The following day, I was driven back in an old Kingswood cop car to the courthouse in the city. A large detective on either side of me, like two front row of forwards, holding a hooker in a scrum, their arms stretched across the top of the seat above my head. I wasn't going anywhere with these two big bastards next to me. When we pulled up, newsmen tried to take shots of me through the window. I started to enjoy all this attention. It was like I was a movie star. Just before we began the descent down the ramp and into the bowls, of the court secure basement, the copper on my right hand raised his left arm above my head and slammed the driver on the shoulder. Oh, it started to hurt. Stop, stop, he said. The driver did. The cop wound down his window and shouted at a guy with a camera who was still shadowing us. Don't you know he's a minor? The copper yelled. I'll arrest you if each photo finds its way into the paper. As far as I know, it never did. But the flashes lit up my eyes like I was on the red carpet at the Logies. During the second day of the trial, the prosecution showed photos to the jury 
of the dead man in the morgue just before the autopsy had been performed. He had so many stab wounds around his guts, arms and chefs. Even my self-involvement dispelled for a moment. I felt sick. I had no personal feelings about the man, but I did feel horror at the sight of those grisly photos. Do these look like the injuries inflicted by someone who was acting solely in self-defence? I knew that was the plea of Brian's defence team. The prosecutor slowly walked past the jury, holding up the photos, one at a time, ensuring that all the members saw every one. And this he continued, and this, one after the other. Then he pointed at me, then Brian. This is most certainly a murder. You be the judge, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, he kept wallowing on, still pointing at us. He raised his voice so it would carry all around the court. And sitting before you are the two accused. His fingers took me in as well this time. By now, I'd really had enough. My butt felt like I'd been in a saddle for a week. I jumped up. This is bullshit, I said. I didn't kill him. The accused will sit down, the judge said and glared at me. I'll not have this behaviour in my courtroom. Is that understood, young man? One more outburst and I'll hold you in contempt. I was feeling a lot of contempt myself. I had no idea what the term meant in terms of the court proceedings. Stubbs looked at me and shook his head, flapping his hand, directing me to sit down. Slowly I obeyed. A soft sound of crying floated towards me, coming from the gallery. I glanced up. It was the victim's mother. I remembered her from the coroner's court, the way her husband had been patting her shoulder. Day three was the same shit, different day. Lots of law jargon I never understood nor cared about. With lawyers cross-examining the prosecution's witnesses, the prosecution cross-examining our witnesses. One of the deceased housemates described how the noise of the fight woke her and how Wayne Pierce had stumbled back into the house bleeding like a stuck pig. She rung the ambulance only for him to die in her arms before they arrived. <coughs> she was in tears in the witness box, wiping her face with a hanky. Gee, she's putting it on a bit thick, I whispered to Brian. Come on, Dean. She was a friend, Brian said quietly. He, he had more empathy than I did, it seemed. Both of our lawyers agreed we should not get into the witness box to give evidence. Their fear was the prosecution would rip us apart like hot chooks. Their clever ways of getting certain responses to their lines of questioning would have been detrimental to our case. The lawyers knew we were not the sharpest tools in the shed. 